How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again, changing things up just a little bit, keeping everybody on your toes. Uh, normally, we would be doing a Saturday Q&A day, but um, due to our changes uh, yesterday, uh, we kind of just uh, went off uh, into a different study. Yesterday we did a whole series on prayer and fasting. I hope that uh, you will please make sure to check that out as it follows directly on the heels of our finishing up of 2 Timothy chapter 3. So today what I want to do is just finish up 2 Timothy. We'll see if we can. Uh, we're going to dive into 2 Timothy chapter 4. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away, be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast as we want to try to limit our rabbit trailings. So again, we're going to be using the three points of the Christian faith, the three points of Bible study, which are interpretation, application, demonstration. Interpretation is the what, the what of the narrative, what it flat out says, as there's only one interpretation of the word of God. What it says is what it means. Not, uh, not through the interpretations of men's ideologies and catechisms, creeds, councils, and whatnot, and commentaries, but what it flat out says on the page is what it means. And then we go to the how. How is it being said? The specific words and the pictures and the images. Uh, doing the word studies as well, which is very important. So you learn that all means all, whosoever means whosoever kind of thing. And also uh, knowing how to pair what I'm reading with other aspects of the word of God to understand um, that much more deeply what it's actually talking about and how it's being spoken about and we do all this to apply it to ourselves to be able to go go live it speak it think it do it demonstration so that's the berean method <clears throat> so today we're going to be going into second timothy chapter four so grab your bibles notepads and pens grab your tea grab your coffee grab your snacks come join us at the table as we turn to second timothy four and uh, what we're going to be doing is actually backing up just a little bit into chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and using that as the springboard into chapter 4. So, grab a tea, grab a coffee. Time to study the Word of God. Okay. <clears throat> yes, and some may notice I've using one of my other Bibles, my study Bible. I have so many notes now, I, I had to get a new study Bible with big margins inside so I can write all my notes in. So, <laughs> uh, it's just so different now. It's it's bigger, it's, it's different. So I have to get used to it. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, but back up to chapter 3 actually, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's theonoustos, meaning God breathed, God spoke it, God gave it, God inspired it, God instructed it. All scripture is given by God, not by the opinions and feelings of men. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable 
for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. Perfect. So, so as we see as well, if we uh, go over to, you don't have to, but if you go over to Second Peter chapter 1, as uh, you see uh, Peter talking about, uh, you know, when he was uh, with the others on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they heard the audible voice of God and uh, spe uh, speaking, and he says, but we have a more sure word of prophecy, when you do well, you take heed. As uh, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is any private interpretation, for the scriptures came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as are moved by the Holy Ghost, that the word of God is perfect, and is more sure, more trustworthy than even the audible voices of God. That's what Peter says there. And that uh, this is perfect, knowing that uh, this, knowing this first, that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. You see, that's the completed word of God that replaces uh, the human oracles. As we can't go by our, uh, our understanding or any, any of this kind of thing, we also no longer have Old Testament style prophets. We don't get new divine inspirations, uh, 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 divine messages, new teachings. Everything that we need is in the Word of God. The Word of God is complete and it's perfect. And it's preserved by God unto all generations. His Word, which is magnified above His very name. Think about this. That the Word of God is perfect and is powerful. It's true and trustworthy and is more sure than visions, dreams, experiences, thoughts, opinions, and even the audible voice of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for all teaching, for reproof, for all proving, for proving all things, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished into all good works so that, so that we can be perfect so we can have the perfect understanding no confusion no frustration no wondering no fears none of that as we don't have to worry about anything because what it says is what it means i could trust it with all my heart with all my mind with all my soul with all my strength that this this is the truth of god so this is what we're going to be building today off of, off of uh, Second Second uh, Timothy chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen, which is also paired with Second Peter chapter one verses twenty to twenty one. So this is very important that we understand this, that we grasp this, because going into chapter four verse one, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, is appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Okay, now again, what is doctrine? Doctrine is the teachings, the teachings of. Teachings of who? People say, well, the Bible was just uh, put together by the Catholic Church. You wouldn't believe how often I hear that. You would not believe how often I hear that nonsense. The Catholic Church did not compile the scriptures. Neither did the Orthodox Church. Neither did the Mormons or the Seventh-day Adventists or anyone else. In the, uh, no other denomination. <laughs> it, that is an absolute nonsensical, just 
ridiculous statement that uh, Catholics, Catholics or the Orthodox or anyone else like that compiled the Bible. That's a bunch of nonsense. But rather, what they did is they compiled their own. They compiled their own. In the Roman Catholic councils of Nicaea and Trent and all these other kind, kind of things, and the, and the Orthodox councils, they compiled the scriptures that they accept for their religion. And they, as we also see, the Catholic Church also included the Apocrypha in their own and tried to force others to keep the Apocrypha and all of the other Catholic books, the, the, the book of, of Mary, the book of Tobit, the book of Maccabees, the book of Bob. All these others are, are compiled by their religion. But the word of God, which is above his very name, which God preserves unto all generations, has always been put together by the apostles, that they, that the disciples, the prophets uh, inspired by God, wrote down what God told them to write. God canonized it. God put it together. And they would, they would hand it down in, in, in time. And the next one would write and it would be added. And it would be added all down through it till we have it today. And God preserves it unto all generations. The, the false religions, false uh, gospel uh, cults, will take this and rip it apart and try to try to claim ownership and power and authority they don't know what they're talking about they're not of god anyways but as we see that god preserves god holds god keeps god canonized god put it together and as they had it in the early church and they handed it down all down through time outside of the catholic cult outside the orthodox cult and all these others the born-again christians all always lived always remained and we had the scriptures and we have it, have it today just as they did back then god gave it so that we could understand his will understand his gospel understand his doctrine his doctrine that if the bible was all kind of spread around we had no idea what was actually scripture or not then god's word did fade away it, it was a uh, uh it did fall apart and that we were in confusion and he did not preserve his word like he said he would that we were in confusion we were in a state of fear and misunderstanding because we didn't know what it was you see the error of that now one jot nor a tittle shall always pass from the word of the law to all be fulfilled all scriptures given by God, held by God, preserved by God, protected by God, canonized by God, and handed down by God. By divine inspiration, divine manipulation, divine control, he keeps it and holds it. And despite all the attempts of the enemy to try to, to ruin this, God keeps it and hands it down. This is our oracle. This is the word of God. This came from the mouth of God, the mind of God, held by God, preserved by God. And anyone who says otherwise is not of God. And God says, my word will make you perfect. You follow my word, it will guide you into all perfectness, to all perfection. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. We can understand what is good according to God's standard. It helps us to understand the difference between the holy and the profane. And it's a com it's a command, as we see in chapter 4, verse 1. Spoken by Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God speaking through Paul says, I charge thee, which is another way of saying, I command you. I command you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. I command you to preach the word. Preach the word of God. Don't preach what other men's ideologies are of what they think the word of God says. Don't preach catechisms, creeds, and commentaries, and denominational distinctives, and church traditions, and men's traditions. Preach the word. 
the word of God has an answer for absolutely everything and anything that could possibly come along. There's an answer for it in the word of God. There's an answer for it. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. To, to know how to use it. To know how to preach it. To be able to preach it competently in every situation and circumstance that come along to know how to, how to rightly apply in counseling one-on-one -on -one, in groups and pulpits in the street and the day and night and uh, uh, different seasons of the year know how to present it to hand it down for it be instant in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort to reprove to to show the proof of to help instruct to guide as it says to rebuke that is to correct to tell off if need be in counseling whatnot and exhort to be able to lift up and edify and strengthen and build up with all long suffering and patience in all things and doctrine preach the word to reprove rebuke exhort in and out of season in all patience and doctrine now does that sound like something you would hear in liberal churches liberal churches no they want to do away with the authority of the word of god they want to do away with the authority they want to do away with with uh, any hard-coded doctrine because they want things to be kind of well i feel you know that that fluffy tinsel nonsense teaching like joel osteen where it's it's more they are motivational speakers than they are preachers they're not pastors they're not preachers of God. They're not servants of God. They water down the word of God and they preach mouse milk. They don't preach the meat of the word. They don't preach the truth of God. They mince their words. They water down sin and air condition hell. We're to stay away from that. We're to rebuke that and then teach the truth. What does the word of God actually say? In all boldness, bold as a lion, harmless as a dove, wise as a serpent, but bold as a lion, as we come in all boldness before the throne of grace, we preach the word in all boldness. And if people don't like it, well, that just shows their goats. If people, if this upsets people and they get all offended, then they're either they're a goat, wolf, or rat, and uh, they need to be told anyways. They need to be told anyways. And you preach the truth, whether it fills up the room or clears it out, or to make no apologies for the word of God. Make no apologies for scripture. What it says is what it means. This is what this is God's words. Why should we apologize for God? Think about it. If this was good enough for the early church, it's good enough for me. If it was good enough for, for the great men and women of God of time past, it's good enough for me. If it was good enough for the apostles, if it's good enough for the prophets, it's good enough for me. And anyone who doesn't like this, it just shows they don't love God. They love the idea of their own God. Now I say this because as we see in verse 3 and 4, look at verse 3 and 4. Now if we see in verse 2, preach the word in all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They can't stand it. They can't stand it. They can't stand the idea of it. They can't stand the sound of it. They can't stand the teaching of it. They can't stand the sight of it because it offends their feelings. It offends their own their own mind, their, their own hearts. It offends their own lives. It offends them to their core. They take offense to it. They don't like it. They don't want it. They want something else that is, that is more palatable. As you see in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 10. 
Go back to Isaiah, chapter 30, verse 10. We see the exact same thing happening it's over 750 years before Jesus. Same thing happening again. Now, if we see in Isaiah chapter 30, actually go up to verse 8. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. <laughs> they would rather hear lies. That's what that's say. That a time will come that the people would rather hear lies than hear the actual truth. They would rather hear the lie that absolutely everybody will go to heaven. It doesn't matter who or what you are. It doesn't matter even if you believe in God. As long as you're a nice and good person, God will let you in because you're a good person. They would rather hear lies. They'd rather hear all kinds of other nonsense than hear what the Word of God actually says. They would rather hear that as long as you just believe in Jesus, and it doesn't matter what Jesus, as long as you just believe in a Jesus, you're all good. You don't need to repent. Oh, who cares about sin? God knows anyways. God knows my heart, and God will weigh my good against my bad. And as long as I just love Jesus and just, you know, go to church on, on Christmas kind of thing, and you know, as long as I'm a nice person and I help a poor person, God, God will let me into heaven. They'd rather hear lies. They'd rather hear that, that oh, you don't need to read your Bible. God will just speak to you through the, the shaking leaves. And he'll speak to you through the rustling grass. He'll speak to you through the dreams and the visions and experiences. You don't even need to read your Bible. And the God, the God will just, it just reveal it to you. You'll just know by your own conscience. They'd rather hear lies. It just goes to show, for the time will come they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. Now, that's an interesting word, and it's been a little bit of a while since I talked about this, but the word fables... You know what that word means? Where it actually came from? It's a really interesting word. <clears throat> in ye olden days, in ye olden days, uh, the word uh, was that uh, was F A E, fay, the phase. Now the fay, F A E, the fay were known as the forest spirits, the forest sprites, the, the nature spirits, um, the native spirits, uh, the ghosts, the spirits that, that would actually come. They were friendly and nice and all that. And they would come and they would entice you and they would tell you things and teach you things, reveal you things and guide you to stuff. And they would help you out. But these are lying spirits masquerading. They're called F the F-A-E, the, the Fae. Now, uh, over time, that word evolved, and they were known as the F-A-E-R-I-E, the Fairy, the Fairy, 
and that evolved even further and now was what we know today as the fairy now the fey tales the fairy tales also known as today as the fables 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 which literally is the 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 stories and deceptions of the fey also known biblically as doctrines of devils also known as doctrines of devils a time will come when seducing spirits and doctrines of devils will deceive the people so fables fables are literally doctrines of devils fairy tales uh that you hear like from joel osteen from kenneth copeland from joyce myers from the pope and all the rest of these uh, Ellen White of Seventh-day Adventism, uh, Joseph Smith of Mormonism, uh, Charles Taze Russell of Jehovah's Witnesses, um, all these others, uh, they are preaching fables. Joel Osteen is one of the greatest uh, uh, teller of fairy tales. And so what happens when you abandon the absolute authority of the word of God? What happens? When the scriptures, the Bible, is no longer your absolute and final authority, then something else is going to come in as an authority to vie for first place, to get your attention. When you're not guarding yourself in the word of God, something else is going to come to draw you away. And that's what the fairy would do. That's what the fae would do. And as they would get your attention by sparks of light and by uh, enticing uh, sights, sounds, all these things to grab your attention. Be not deceived, for Satan can appear as an angel of light, and his ministers will appear as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. They will come in fancy suits and fancy language that heretics love to use orthodox lingo. They love to use Christianized lingo to use our terms. Now, I have personally witnessed this kind of thing where Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, of the, the Kingdom Hall of uh, wannabe Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, wannabe Witnesses of Jehovah, they're not, uh, they're liars, but uh, they come to your door and they knock on your door and they literally will use our language. They'll say, oh yeah, absolutely, we believe in Jesus as our Savior. Oh, absolutely, we believe we're saved by grace. Jehovah's Witnesses, the, the Kingdom Hall Jehovah's Witnesses will actually say that. We call them Russellites because they follow Charles Taze, Charles Taze Russell. But they use our language to entice you in. Because, well, they say they believe in Jesus. They say they believe in uh, that salvation is by grace. They say they believe in the cross. They say they believe in this. And then you get enticed in. And then they slowly work on your mind and throw you under delusion and deception. And they twist, uh, twist the truth and they drag you down to hell. That's what they do. Because people who refuse to study the word of God, who, are, who cannot endure sound doctrine by the word of God, who don't want to believe and apply what this says, they are taken advantage by the enemy. That the, that the fey come in, sometimes manipulating people to use people uh, who will do, do the bidding of the fey, of the devils, will come in and entice you lie to you deceive you poison is poison regardless how much it is and especially sitting under constant dripping of poison will rot the mind it will rot the mind 
It'll rot the soul. It'll rot your conscience. It'll rot your understanding. And it will kill your faith. But the time will come they will not endure sound doctrine. They can't stand being under it anymore. They have to be constantly, constantly, constantly stimulated. They have to be constantly enticed. They have to be constantly uh, appeased and satiated, entertained. Because they can't stand the sound of the word of God. They, they need something new. They need something different. The gospel doesn't excite them anymore. The word of God doesn't excite them anymore. And so they, they look after their own lusts. They heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They go seeking after someone else, something else, somewhere else to appease them, make them feel good, to give them that excitement because the word of God doesn't excite them anymore. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. And we turn into these false preachers, false teachers, lying spirits, doctrines of devils, seducing spirits. Now tell me, does that sound an awful lot like today? Think about it. What does it say in Galatians chapter 1 verses 8 and 9? Let's take a look. <clears throat> it takes me a little longer to find places now because I have a newer Bible that I'm using. Galatians 1, 8 to 9. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So, you hear a lot of people saying how they've had God came to them in a dream or a vision and told them to these, these things and they, they heard God, they saw God, they, or an angel came and told them and revealed, or Jesus even came and told them and revealed to them these doctrines and beliefs and things, and when it has no basis in Scripture, it caught what they're saying literally contradicts the word of God that these new revelations that got contradict the word of God. It's incredible how far people go, how far people will fall when they refuse to apply the word of God as their final authority to the point where people say, well, God just hasn't told me to believe that yet. I don't even understand that one. But it's incredible how far people will fall. But uh, what does the Word of God actually say in these matters? So if we take a look at Romans 16. Go back to Romans 16, verses 17 to 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. For they that are such, that follow after all these other teachings that contradict the word of God, that contradict Jesus Christ, that contradict the gospel, that contradict what this book says, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. Because really, how can you say that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ of Scripture if you cannot accept what Scripture says? I mean, in all seriousness, how can you say 
that you accept and believe Jesus Christ if you can't accept the Word of God as authority. That's a fable. That's a fairy tale. That's a lying spirit, a seducing spirit, a doctrine of devils. Well, you can believe in Jesus and you don't have to believe the Bible. Oh, I'm a Christian, but no, I don't accept the Bible as authority. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't really accept vast portions of Scripture. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I, I don't really believe that this was real, this actually happened, and that, that that's real, and, and you cherry-pick the Scripture. You're, you're deceiving yourself. How can you say that you're, that you're a Christian if you don't accept the Scriptures? It's the Scriptures that tell you who Jesus is. It's the scriptures that tell you who the Son of God is and what he came to do to save us from our sins. How, how do you know then, then that that's true if you don't even accept the rest of it? Who's telling you that that's true but the rest of it isn't? How do you know? Either it's all true or it's not at all. It's either all true or not at all. Either what it says on the pages is true or God is a liar or we're in great danger. How do you know that Jesus actually raised from the dead? If you don't accept the word of God as final authority, how do you know that the resurrection's true? How can you know? How can you know that any of it's true? Preach the word and all long-suffering and doctrine. Time will come, they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall, be, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. They'll block their ears to doctrine, to the to the actual authority of God, block their ears to that, and they'll only listen to that which appeases them. Not what, what pleases God. Not what's the will of God, what's the will of them. Like the modern liberal Christian, the liberal denomination, so that accept anything and practice anything, and they fling open the doors to anything being whatever you feel you want, your truth, my truth, my Christianity, your Christianity. As long as we just love Jesus and just ignore our differences and all get along. And, you know, it, well, I, you can accept the Bible if you want, but you, don't, you just don't tell me. And I'll just hold to my truth, my doctrine, my fables. And so turn away the ears from the truth. Because, well, well, I just don't feel that God would do it that way. Well, I think that that my God, the way he would do it, well, well, I just believe that Jesus would just love them into heaven. I believe that God wouldn't actually send anyone to hell. Well, I believe that they should turn away their ears from the truth. And shall be turned into fables. Fables, like you see, much of what modern society right now is pushing in the news and pushing the, uh, as a narrative in society and schools and everything else. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't even need to name it. Uh, these are all fables. These are all fables. Ignoring what God says, fighting against what God has decreed, and warring against God's doctrine with all kinds of other seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So in all of this absolute chaos of everybody's ideas, their truth, their truth, their truth, and my truth, and your truth, and everybody has a truth, how can you know what is the truth? Or is there a singular truth? 
Is there a singular truth of one absolute authority that, that is over all, that dictates what true reality is, what's actually going on, and what is actually accurate and true and right? Is there something in all the world? Is there, is there an absolute way to know what the truth is for life? They say, well, yeah, that, that would be Jesus. As long as you just love Jesus. Oh, really? Can you show me book, chapter, verse? Where does it say just love Jesus and you'll go to heaven? Where does it say that? Well, as long as you just love Jesus and be a good person, go to church and believe in God, be moral, and, and you know, raise your family right, and you'll go to heaven. Where does it say that? How do you know that that's you? Because God told me. How do you know that was God? How do you know that was God? How do you know that was God that stepped out in the clouds and revealed this to you? How do you know that this that it was God? If you don't accept the authority of the word of God as your absolute and final authority in all aspects of faith, the practice of faith, how can you know anything's true? Rather, you have to say, I hope it is hope that was right. I hope that was true. And, and so you become your own standard. If the word of God is not the final authority, you become by default the authority because you choose what to accept and reject according to your mind, your intellectual uh, intellectualism, your reasoning, your logic, that according to your feelings, your opinions, your truth, your standard, you're the authority. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. Wait a minute. Hath God truly said? Ye can be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. When you reject the word of God as the final absolute authority and you remove the scriptures from the from the default setting of authority, you actually place yourself in that in that slot and assume the responsibility of God and you become the dictator of truth and you become the standard. You become the authority, and you are by default saying that you know the difference between good and evil, that you are just as good as or better than God's holy word. That is satanic. That is evil. That is wicked. That's of hell. That's a doctrine of devils. That's a lying spirit, a seducing spirit. That's a fable. It's a fairy tale that is, that is of the very pit of hell. Yea, hath God truly said. Oh, but the Genesis account? Yeah, yeah, has God truly said? Noah's flood, Daniel lion's den, David and Goliath, uh, uh, Joshua on the wall of Jericho, the part, parting of the Red Sea, turning water to wine, the miracles, the claims of Christ, the work of Christ, the definition of sin by God, all the things all down through. Yeah, is that true? I, well, I don't know about that. I like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Yea, has God truly said, I know the difference in good and evil. You're a child of the devil.
you have more in line with the doctrines of devils than you do of God by that standard. If you reject the authority of the word of God, you're rejecting God and you're accepting the hiss of the serpent. You think that you, you're so smart. You think that you know everything. You think that what well, you have the, the secret, like some mystic Gnostic, that I hold the secrets of the universe. I know what truth is. I know how to keep myself in truth. No, you don't. You're deluded. You're absolutely deluded. You haven't a clue what the truth is. God is the truth. God's the standard. And he wrote his word, gave his word, and you don't want it because it goes against something in your life that you're trying to protect because you know that if you accept the standard of God, you'll have to change something. You don't want that, so you want to remain in your sin. So what do you do? You suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and you fashion a God after your own imagination. Professing yourself to be wise, you become a fool, and you elevate your own doctrine of your own authority, of your own feelings as your truth. You fashion a God of your own imagination. My God doesn't have a problem with the way I live, the things I have. My God that is okay with the things that I allow, I believe. You're of your father, the devil. You've just cast God out of the room. You've spat in the face of God, slapped away his hand. You've rejected the Holy Spirit's instruction then you have said that God is a liar. That God's a liar. That is where it isn't truth when he flat out said it is. That God is the author of confusion. Because, well, you can't really know. You have to just search it out and you just have to come to it and figure it out on your own. You see where this goes? You see where this goes? That downward spiral of rebellion when you refuse to accept the word of God as final authority. This is what happens. Anything can become true. It's, it's open to whatever you want. Thus, the lie of Luciferianism, do what thou wilt, is the whole of the law. Whatever you feel is truth. The Oprah Winfrey theology. My truth, your truth. Because they cannot endure sound doctrine. They can't handle it. They can't stand the sight of it, the sound of it. They can't stand the very idea of it of an absolute authority, a standard above them, telling them what the truth is. They can't stand that. The time will come they will not endure sound doctrine. And to the point where where, it, where you see with the uh, modern movements in such liberal churches, where they cast out standard of authority of the protocol of how church function is supposed to be, the office of the pastor is just open to whatever it is about the, the the gender thing and theory to racism, all kinds of ideas and polit political nonsense going on in the churches to socialism preach from pulpits. It just, it's absolute madness and chaos occurs when the word of God is rejected as final authority. When God is no longer the dictator of truth. When God is no longer king. You've ripped the crown off his head. You've kicked him out of the throne. And you have taken his place. I will ascend to the throne. I will be like God. Because you're full of pride and arrogance. Thinking you know the truth. That you know how to dictate truth. You know how to control truth. What does the word of God say about those people? They're fools. They're fools. 
They're absolute ignorant fools. They profess that they know God, but in works they dishonor him, being dishonorable and reprobate. By good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. False prophets, false apostles, deceitful workers, preaching damnable heresies. False Christs coming to deceive people. Many false Christs will arrive and will, will deceive many. Many false Christs will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, will deceive many. And we're seeing that today. Because what, what has happened by the narrative of what has been pushed by the world, by the governments, by the godless heathens, the barbarians are at the gates, and the barbarians say, yea, hath God truly said. It could be whatever you want, as long, just as long as it's just not that. You can believe in whatever you want, just not that. You can be whatever you want, just, just not that. You can believe whatever God you want, just not that one. Whatever Jesus you want, just, just not that one. Whatever standard of authority even that, that, that strokes your ego, just not that one. They'll turn away their ears from the truth. They'll no longer be able to hear it. He who have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. And they're plugging their ears and they're singing, I'm God, I'm God, my authority. shall be turned unto fables, fairy tales, doctrines of devils. Verse 5, but watch thou in all things, in all things, no matter what comes, in all things, endure afflictions, persecutions, oppressions, hardships for Christ. As Christ did, as the prophets did, as the apostles did, so do we. Hold the line, fight the good fight. Do the work of an evangelist. We are all called, all men and women and children who believe in the Lord God, Jesus Christ, by grace through faith, by belief alone, who believe what the word of God actually says, who believe the gospel, we're all called to be witnesses, to testify of Christ, to stand for Christ, to preach Christ, to declare Christ, to show them this is what the Lord has said. Thus saith the Lord is the only authority in God's church. I'm not pro-anything or anti-anything. I am, thus saith the Lord, period. That's all I am. I don't care about what goes on. I don't, I don't join in all the, 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 not the nonsense lingo and the things that the world is going. I'm, thus saith the Lord. The word of God is my absolute final authority in all aspects of faith, the practice of faith, sola scriptura, purely. Not by catechisms, creeds, commentaries, and councils. That all goes out the window. Word of God only, fully. That's it. What it says, what it means, from cover to cover. Everything in between is from God's mouth. What it says is what it means. I hold to that. I believe that. And I'll die on that hill. Endure all things. Watch in all things. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. We all have a ministry. Not all of us are called to be pastors, preachers, missionaries, or even full-time evangelists, but we all have a ministry of testifying of Christ and showing the, the, the Christ-like spirit and witnessing and, and charity and help. We all are called to follow Christ, to pick up a cross daily and follow him. We all have a ministry to do but to make full proof of it. 
to publicize it, to make it known in public before all. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is the truth. Because if we're not, if we're not making it known, how will they come, want to come and ask us about the hope within us? To watch thou in all things, to watch everything, be careful, not be taken advantage of. To watch for the goats, the wolves, and the rats. To watch for the, the wolves in sheep's clothing. To watch for the fairies that would try, the fairy that try to come in by seducing spirits and doctrines of devils to draw us off and false teachings and ideas and things. It happens. It happens. Straying thoughts, ideas, suggestions, impressions, temptations. These things come in. We're, we're to test everything by the word of God. That if, if even one singular passage of scripture contradicts a supposed ideology, doctrine, or teaching, then that ideology, doctrine, or teaching is wrong. No if, and what's, or buts. If the word of God contradicts it even remotely, then that thing is wrong and the word of God is true. Don't try to find workarounds. Don't try to find cracks through the logic. Don't, don't try to excuse it away. Don't brush it aside as, as not important. It's very important because that was a that was a seducing spirit trying to deceive you in some level, even in a way that you think is harmless, it's still poison. If it contradicts the word of God, then it's wrong. Simply put, it doesn't matter who or what they are. It doesn't matter how, how fancy they are, how big they are, how, how, how notable they are, how many books they wrote, how many degrees they have, how big their ministry is, how big of a name they have, how well they're known. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long ago they lived. It doesn't matter how new they are. If they, if they contradict the word of God, they're wrong. Simply put. It doesn't matter if, if they know all of the catechisms, commentaries, creeds, councils, and everything else. They're ignorant. They're ignorant of the word of God if they're contradicting the word of God. They do not know our Lord Jesus. As it flat out says, they don't know our Lord Jesus. They know their own. They fashioned their own God. But watch everything. Scrutinize everything. Just as the Bereans did. The Bereans did that with the Apostle Paul. They knew who he was. They knew who he was. They knew where he came from. They knew he was accepted by the Apostles in Jerusalem and everything. They, they knew who he was. But they took every single thing that Paul said and they scrutinized it through the word of God. They took everything he said and they held him accountable to the word of God. They checked, double checked, triple checked daily. They searched the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. They held him at every word, everything he said, every doctrine, every teaching to see if anything he said conduct the word of God. Because if anything that Paul may have possibly said to conduct scripture, he would have been false. He had been called out on it. He had been reproved, rebuked, exhorted. That's what we're supposed to do. But today, the vast majority of Christians are lazy. They're just pew sponges. And they just, they're, they're religious regurgitators. They just sit there 
shut off their brain, shut off their logic, sometimes shut their Bibles, and they don't search it, they don't check it, they don't research, they don't examine, they don't hold anything accountable. And it's whatever the guy in the pulpit says, whoever it is, doesn't matter who they are, because well, they're in a pulpit, so they got to be the, the holders of all truth, that they can't possibly make a mistake. And then they just go and they hold and believe and, and regurgitate everything they've been told without searching anything. How do you know the person in the pulpit is right? How do you know? Well, because they quoted scripture. So did Satan. Well, they say they love Jesus. So do the cults. Satan can appear as an angel of light, and his ministers can appear as ministers of righteousness, who then shall be according to their words, their works. And Lucifer deceived a third of the angels that stood in the very presence of God. What makes you think he can't deceive you? What makes you think he can't deceive you? If you're not holding everything to the word of God as, uh, uh, as the authority, as the sieve of all doctrine and theology, not the fathers of the Reformation, not John Calvin and fake Augustine and all the rest of them, not all these that, that have so many contradictions and errors and false gospels and twistings of logic and everything else, the word of God, the word of God, the scriptures, the Bible, the Holy Bible, the Holy Writ is the final absolute authority. This is the sieve. This is the purveyor of truth. This is the absolute authority. Nothing else. Not the person in the pulpit, not the Bible school, not the council and the commentaries and catechisms and the creeds and, and all the rest of that. The word of God, the word of God alone. That's what sola scriptura means. Not like what the Calvinist says. Says, oh, here's the Bible, I believe this, and all of our books that all tell you what the Bible says. That This is how you can know. Now, while they scream sola scriptura, they don't believe in sola scriptura. They absolutely don't. Because if you're not holding to all the writings of John Calvin and all of the doctrines of Tulip, you're not a Christian. But nothing in the Bible actually backs up anything they say. That's a whole other topic. But the word of God is sufficient. An ignorant farm boy can sit down with a Bible, read the Bible, and know the will of God. And the spirit of God can enlighten him and show him what it says. If you don't accept scripture as final, absolute authority, what it says, what it means, you've been deceived. You've been, uh, you've been taken advantage of. You've been deceived. And like how a cult will get over your mind, you, uh, the, the person in a cult doesn't believe that they're in a cult. That's how deceived and deluded you get. You don't realize that you've been deceived into cult logic, cult mind, by adding other sources and things as equal to or surpassing the authority of the word of God. If you say that, say that, oh yeah, here's the Bible, I believe the Bible, but here's all of our writings that'll tell you what it means. Here's our commentaries, our catechisms, our creeds, our counsel. You got to read our stuff to help you understand what this means. That's a cult. Plain and simple. There it is. It doesn't matter who or what they are. Anyone telling you, oh, you got to hear, you got to have our stuff to tell you what it means or not just Bible alone is a cult those are people who cannot abide sound doctrine those are people 
who are tired of hearing just Bible alone. They got to have their ears tickled by other sources, other people. The time will come they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, which is lusts of religiosity, lusts of churchianity, lusts of church tradition and, and, and uh, other religious practices, religious ideologies, religious catechisms, lusts of religion. Even to, to that, to that degree, they'll heap to themselves teachers. They heap teachers on teachers and teachers and teachers, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What does it sound like? And be turned after fables, having itching ears, and should turn their ears from the truth and should be turned into fables. The idea that you have to maintain good fruits to earn your final salvation. That, that, uh, that once saved, always saves false because I have to maintain works to earn. You're no different than a Catholic. You're literally no different than a Catholic or an Orthodox. If you think that, that uh, you have to maintain works and fruit to earn your salvation, maintain to keep your salvation, atone for your own sins, it's the same lie, same spirit. It's a doctrine of devils. The word of God flat out says, By grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. But by faith of works is dead. You don't even understand how to cross-reference, to do the due diligence, line upon line, precept upon precept, how to search the scriptures, understand these things. What well, was Paul a liar then? Well, what is possible? But grace is absence of self. Grace is absence of self-works. Faith is believing trust. Faith is not works. So was Paul wrong? But by their own lusts, because they want that religious system. They want that system of works because they want to feel holy. They want to help Christ save them. That they have re they have reinterpreted what Jesus said on the cross as being Jesus saying, saying, I am finished instead of it is finished. Because Jesus saying, I am finished means, well, now it's my turn to step in and do the rest of the work. But Jesus said, it is finished. The full work, the full atonement, all, all that's needed for salvation was done. But they don't accept that. They don't accept grace. They don't accept faith. They don't accept the work of Christ. They accept themselves. Self-righteous uh, Pharisee types. And they're thinking that they can earn the favor of God. Heaped to themselves teachers having itching ears. They turn away their ears from the truth. Shall be turned into fables. This is what happens when you don't accept Scripture as absolute final authority. Authority. You start reinterpreting the Word of God through the lens of other sources, through your own lens, through the lens of other preachers, other teachers, other works. Because you can't just accept what it says. Well, well, I just don't feel that this thing is really that big of a matter. And you make excuses for sin. You make excuses for the things that you want in your life because you feel that it's not a big deal. Everything from entertainment to uh, ed to certain forms of education to behavior and speech and jokes and movies and music. You make excuses for everything because you don't feel that's a big deal. 
What about going before Almighty Sovereign Lord God and fasting and prayer and seeking His face and asking His thoughts on it? Well, no, you don't want to do that because deep down you know exactly what He'll say and that's why you're not going to ask Him. You don't accept the final authority of Scripture. These are things that happen. This is what occurs. This is where the downward spiral ends up. This is the fall of rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness, as the sin of idolatry. You've set yourself up as your own idol, your own God, your own mind, your own logic, your own reason, your own feelings is your own idol. It's idolatrous. It's stubborn. It's rebellious. It's the sin of Lucifer. It's prideful self-arrogance, self-pride, self-righteousness, self-conceited. Because you can't just accept what God says. This is the warning of the Lord. And you will think that that you're doing the will of God. But you know not God. Outwardly, you may look beautiful, look religious, inwardly you're full of rottenness and dead bones, like whitewashed sepulchers. The churches become more mausoleums, and they become temples of praise. And the word of God is is abused and misused, as Leonard Ravenhill says, they've taken the faith of Christ and they've prostituted it with themselves, that they've abused it with their own ideologies. They've stripped God out of the pulpit and they placed themselves as authority, believing the lie of Lucifer that you can discern truth and righteousness. This is what happens when the word of God is not your final authority. When you allow other things in to take the limelight, to join other things in on, on the pedestal of the word of God. The scriptures are from the mouth of God, nothing else. We are not the authority. I'm not the authority. No denomination is the authority. Religion is not the authority. Jesus Christ is the authority. He is God Almighty. And he said, my words, they are spirit, they are life. Believe my words, hold my words. And the spirit of Christ is inspires these men to speak and write god preserves what is said and written unto all generations and we hold in our hands the same thing that god said back then and we can know the very will and mind and spirit of almighty god by what it says on the pages and only a devil only a fairy only a deceiving spirit a seducing spirit a doctrine of devils will tell you nah only a devil would say, Yea, hath God truly said. Tell me I'm wrong. We can understand the very mind of God. The gospel is so simple. Salvation is simple. Grace is simple. God has simplified it. As it says that God condescended down to us meaning god simplified himself for us so we could behold and see and understand god condescended down to us in the form of a man named jesus and he showed himself in many infallible proofs he showed himself in word and deed 
when we can see and understand. Only a devil would want to complicate it. Only a devil would want to stir up the waters. Only a devil would want to rock the boat and try to add other things. Only a devil would say, Yea, hath God truly said. This is why we're told in verse 5, Watch in all things. Nothing gets a free pass. Nothing is excused. Absolutely everything from word and deed and thought is to be scrutinized and put through the sieve of the word of God. And if the word of God raises a single red flag, you're to take, take that as absolutely serious and scrutinize it again to see why and how and get rid of it. Have nothing to do with it. If the word of God contradicts it, then that thing is wrong. The word of God is true. Not the other way around. It's not, well, well, I have my interpretation. You have your interpretation. No, you've been deceived by a devil. Simple as that. You've been deceived by a devil. What the word of God flat out says, what it says is what it means. What it says is what it means. We read it, we study it, we cross-reference, we uh, take scripture, scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. We fast and pray and seek the face of God, not the face of man, not the face of other writings, but the face of God. And the Lord will teach us and show us and cause us to be in all understanding. He'll guide us in all truth. It's what he said, watch all things. And in, and in all of this, because of this hard line, because of the simple path, because of this narrow mindset, as people will accuse this, well, you're just narrow-minded. You're right. Absolutely. I'm narrow-minded. As narrow as the word of God is thick. I'm as narrow-minded as the word of God is thick. What it says on the page is the only thing I care about is that only this is truth. I'm not truth. I can't know truth of my own reasoning. God tells me what the truth is. God tells me what the truth is. Watch all things. Endure afflictions because people will hate you because of the standard. They'll mock you and curse you and rail on you and abuse you. Make fun of you in every degree. Calling you names upon names. Because how dare you think that you can know the truth? How dare you offend my ideologies? How dare you speak against my made-up demon god? How dare you abuse my truth? I'm not abusing it. I'm not calling. I'm not saying. I'm just saying, look, this is what the Lord says. It's the Lord that you're fighting against. Not me. It's the Lord you're fighting against. Not me. I'm not the one. Uh, it's not my head on the chopping block. It's not my authority. I'm a nobody. I'm nothing. But I'm saying, thus saith the Lord. And when I say, thus saith the Lord, you you scream and re and freak out and, and uh, accuse and curse and spit and bite and scratch. When the Lord says, thus saith the Lord. When God speaks, you rail. What does that tell you? When the word of God is spoken and you get mad, what does that tell you? When scripture is read and you get offended, what does that tell you? 
when the doctrines of the Lord God are spoken from the word of God and you get all, all uppity about it, what does that tell you? Sheep love the voice of the shepherd. The goats, the wolves, and the rats fight back. Watch all things. Endure afflictions. You will be hated. You will be mocked and scorned and abandoned. You'll be cursed and abused. All because you stand for the Lord. All because you stand in the word of God. All because you refuse to compromise. All because you refuse to water it down. All because you refuse to, to, to accept any other opinion of men. They will hate you because of me. In this world you shall suffer tribulation for my name's sake. They will accuse you and hate you and arrest you and persecute you. Because you stand in the word of God. But what does that tell you? So they did to the prophets. So they did to the apostles. So they did to Christ. What makes you think it'll be any different for you when you stand for the Lord? Which of the prophets they, they not kill? It was the Pharisees that attacked the prophets, FYI. The legalistic religious Pharisees were the ones that persecuted and killed the prophets. The ones who stood in the word of God and the word of God alone. The word of God and the word of God alone were hated and persecuted. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, and in all of this, do the work of an evangelist. Say, thus saith the Lord, you must be born again and hold to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the banner, is the fire, it is the torch that is held high. It is that, that which is the foundation of everything. The gospel of Jesus Christ by grace, through faith, by belief alone. You want to know what the absolute fastest way to reveal a false prophet is? You want to know what the absolute fastest way to, to identify and call out and reveal false prophets? I used to do this back in the olden days on Periscope. Now, there are tons of so-called prophets, so-called apostles on Periscope and all kinds of other preachers. I would, uh, and uh, during their live streams, I would just go into the comments and I would ask a simple question. I would say, do you believe that Jesus is almighty God manifested in the flesh and that salvation is by grace through faith by belief alone? You wouldn't believe what would happen sometimes. That they're speaking and my comment will pop up and literally on, on screen in a live live streaming broadcast, their faces would go beat red and they would start just getting furious at me. No joke. And they would come down on me, cursing me out, calling me a, calling me a false prophet, calling me a child of the devil, calling me the antichrist, calling me a heretic, and everything else. Because the deity of Jesus Christ and salvation by grace through faith and belief alone is the absolute standard of all things of truth of God. Only a devil will seek to, to uh, change that. Add or subtract or modify by grace through faith but belief alone 
in the Lord God Jesus Christ alone. Anything else is of the devil. Anything else is a, is a gospel of hell. Do the work of an evangelist. Because when you, when you set the gospel of Jesus Christ as, as the base foundation of your ministry, the pillars that uphold the whole, whole work, the deity of Christ, salvation by grace to faith but belief alone, everything else is built off of that and is blessed by God. And the devils will try to tear that down. They'll do everything they can to tear that down. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Of thy ministry. Verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and my time of departure is at hand. This is around the time at the, at the ending of the life of the Apostle Paul. As we know, as he was arrested by the Romans under house arrest, he was ha having to go stand before Caesar. At the time was Nero, the madman Nero himself. I think that's just amazing that uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ by the mouth of the Apostle Paul was preached to Nero God is not willing that any should perish. He truly gives everyone a chance. Even the madman Nero himself. Well, if Nebuchadnezzar, the crazed, quotation marks, God emperor, who believed himself a god, made a giant golden statue of himself, forcing everyone to worship him, destroyed Israel, carried them away into captivity, threw prophets into the, the, the fiery furnace. This kind of an absolute crazed madman got saved, wrote Daniel chapter 4. God is able to save anyone. God is able to save anyone. But we see, as uh, this is what happens. Is look at Paul, for example. He preached the truth. He held to the standard that we've been going over. He held to the standard. And what did they do? They arrested him. They abused him. Look at the afflictions he endured. The things that he went through. Beatings and whippings and imprisonments and starvations. Even thrown in the Colosseum to fight wild beasts. In deaths often. He was drowned a few times. All for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. All for holding to the standard of the word of the living God. How the world will hate you. Because this world is deceived and is in darkness. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They would rather believe absolutely anything else. I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. And it's a, it's a war. It's an absolute war. To hold to the, to the truth of God, to be fervent, and to be truthful to the Lord, it's a war. I have fought a good fight. He held it. I have finished my course. God gave me a work to do, and I was faithful. Now, I did not waver. It didn't matter what they threw at me. It didn't matter how they imprisoned me. It doesn't matter how they persecute me. I don't care what they say, what they do, where they take me, what they do to me. I don't care. Though, uh, though they kill me, yet will I trust in him. I have finished my course. The course that God set before me, the work, the ministry that I was called to do, I kept it, I held it, and I did not waver. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. 
Not a faith. The faith of the way, the truth, the life of the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith, by belief alone, period. What it says is, is what it means that the word of God is the final absolute authority of the Almighty God. There is no other truth. There is no other way. Jesus is not an angel. He's not just some prophet. wasn't just some holy man. Jesus is almighty God manifest in the flesh. Except the worship, claimed the names of God, did the work of God, proved himself. And, and he says, follow me and hold to my words, my commandments. There is no other way, no other truth, no other life. There's no other truth. There's only one truth. And that is what God has preserved unto all generations. Which, that which he holds above his very name. I have kept the faith of the way, the truth, the life, the faith, one and only singular, the faith. Are you in faith? Not the faith of men, of men's ideologies, of church traditions, of, of denominational distinctives and catechisms, creeds, and other religious practices. No. The faith of the mighty one that was simplified, given to us, codified, canonized in the word of God. What it says, what it means. This faith of born again Christianity. Born again Christianity. This simplic simplicity given by God. Because God knows what we are. He knows what we're like. He knows he needs to keep it simple. <laughs> he knows he needs to keep it simple. And it's simple enough that ignorant fishermen understood it. It's simple enough that you and I can understand it. That we can just sit down with this book and read it. And the spirit of almighty God interprets the words on the page into our hearts and minds. And shows us what it says is what it means. And I can know him. I can fellowship with him. I can see him. I can hear him. I can know him. And it goes beyond knowing that when I read these things, this is the mind of God. This is the work of God. By the pictures and the images, by the stories, by the applications, by the interpretation application, by the demonstration of the word of God, I can know the mind of God. I don't need anything and I don't want anything else. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but also them also that love his appearing. Do thy due diligence to come shortly unto me. He's talking to Timothy. He wants to see Timothy before he dies. But as we see as well, do the due diligence. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We rightly divide the word of truth. Not the word of men. Well, Paul was just a man. Right. Called an apostle by Jesus Christ, appointed an apostle by Christ, taught by Christ, face to face. And thus the Spirit of God speaks through him, works through him, and tells him what to say, what to write. And God preserves his word in all generations. People will curse you and mock you for that. But they're ignorant. They're lost. They're deceived. They need to understand the truth. You don't let...
the mockings of the peers, the mockings of the heathens and the pagans and the godless and the faithless and the fearful and the dictate to you how you should maintain your faith. What it says, what it means. And if people don't like that, tough. Do the due diligence. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed into Thessalonica. Like Demas. Many around you be like Demas. They'll forsake the faith. They'll forsake the word of God. They'll forsake uh, uh, the teaching of the Lord because of their love of the present world. For all the pleasures of the world, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, all the pleasures of sin. Because of the lying deceptions of the fairy, as we talked about, of the fables of seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, manifesting as angels of light, as ministers of righteousness to deceive you. And you fall in love with the lies and the tinsel and the fruit of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because you want your own knowledge. Having loved this present world, forsaken. Nicodemus forsook it. He gave it up. That does not mean he lost his salvation. You can't lose his salvation. Now, it says Demas for, forsook Paul. It didn't say he forsook Christ. Just FYI. Can a Christian get deceived, drawn away, and water down and weaken their faith? Absolutely. Does that mean they're not saved? No. Does that mean they lost salvation? No. Demas hath forsaken me. No longer wanted to work in ministry. No, no longer wanted to fight the good fight and keep the faith. It was too trying for him. And he was lazy. He lost his faith. He lost his passion. He forsook his first love and he gave it up. He wanted an easy life. To just blend in with the crowd is what he wanted. Having loved this present world is departed into Thessalonica. Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable uh, to me for the ministry. Now, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. Because if you remember earlier on in the Word of God, uh, during the, uh, the mission circuits of Paul and Barnabas is uh, Bar uh, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark, but Paul had a beef with Mark because Mark was with them at one point and then left and went his way to Egypt. And he abandoned Paul, and Paul took offense to that and got mad. And he and Barnabas had a huge falling out and angry fight and everything. And fell fell, uh, fell uh, out of uh, fellowship because of the differences over Mark, and Paul was angry at Mark. But then we see something. He says, "Take Mark." Paul the apostle, who is angry at Mark, says, "Take Mark, and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry." What changed? Well. First off, forgiveness. Forgiveness. As obviously the Lord would have been talking to Paul about his attitude there and he would have forgiven Mark. But also, if you do a study on Mark and where Mark went 
and what Mark did. Now, many people aren't aware of this. But Mark went to Egypt, preached the gospel, and established a church in Egypt. That today, now I looked into this, I was skeptical, I looked into it, I looked at their doctrinal statement, I looked at what they what they teach and believe, and the doctrines they preach, the Coptic Christians are descendants of the ministry of Mark. That many, many years later, the Catholic Church tried to get in to take over, but the Coptics, what they did is they, they took the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark in the Bible is their doctrinal statement. They took the Gospel of Mark, pitted it against the Catholic teachings, and saw, no, the Catholics are wrong, and kicked the Catholics out. Kicked the Catholics out. They hold to the Gospel as is preached in the Gospel of Mark. That they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. They may practice some things and have some difference in appearance or whatever, but they're born-again Christians. They believe the gospel. The Coptics are the descendants of the work of, of, uh, of Mark. Just FYI. And it was Paul saw this, that, uh, that Mark didn't abandon the faith like he thought he did. Like Paul thought Mark did. And he saw what Mark had done by his by his faithfulness to the Lord and preaching the gospel in Egypt. And Paul says, oh, he is profitable. I was wrong. I was wrong. The other thing, too, with this and making full proof thy ministry. Is to admit when you're wrong. To not allow pride. To not allow pride. No pride. No arrogance. Make no excuses. If you're wrong, you're wrong. You admit it and you say it and you move on. Let the word of God correct you. Let the word of God rebuke you. Let the word of God teach you. You let the word of God instruct you. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. You admit it. Now move on. Grow in truth. No one person is the purveyor of all truth, knows everything. That teachers and preachers aren't sinless. They're fallible just like everyone else. We all grow in understanding that the pastors and preachers aren't sinless. Aren't, uh, they aren't uh, uh, all-knowing. They make mistakes just like everyone else. They're human just like everyone else. If you sin, repent, get yourself right, and get up, keep going. The righteous man falls seven times and rises again. That if you're wrong, admit it. Admit it. Now, get going. Forgive those who have, have uh, slighted you. For if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither your Heavenly Father forgive you yours. As you see, and Paul here, Paul here, is written down for all eternity, is Paul admitting he was wrong. What an example. Even if the Apostle Paul can make a mistake, and he was and led by the spirit of god he was he was big enough honest enough and sincere enough to admit it and he says mark is profitable mark is profitable to the ministry and tychicus have i have i sent to ephesus 
The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus when thou comest, bring with thee in the books, but especially the parchments. As we see now, the, the, the on a personal level here, we, we see the interaction. The interaction of, of looking to each other for help. That bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. To help out as you can help out. That nobody is above anybody else. We're not below anyone else. We're all equal in the eyes of God, in the eyes of Christ. Working together, laboring in the work of Christ. To help each other as we can in all things, no matter how little or how great. Help each other. Love each other. Serve each other. And also, we're also left with another thing. In verse 14. Look at this. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Alexander the coppersmith is an evil, wicked man who fought against Paul and fought against the word of God. Now what did Paul do? Called him out. Public, a public uh, declaration to call out those who have done wrong. The opposition, the, the false preachers, false apostles, deceitful workers, to expose them. As you see, the modern liberal progressive type, they, oh, you, you don't do that. You don't judge. You don't call out. You don't be harsh. You don't say these kinds of things. You don't do I don't believe that God would want us to do that. Then why, why did God lead him to do that? Was Elijah wrong with the way he spoke to the prophets of Baal and Mount Carmel? Were the prophets wrong in the way they called out and spoke about the wicked, evil kings and queens? No. Was John the Baptist wrong for the way he spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees at Jordan? No. Was Jesus wrong for the way he spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and all the rest of them and the scribes? No. Was Paul wrong for the way he spoke about Alexander the coppersmith and how he spoke about Alimus the sorcerer and how he spoke about the Judaizers? Let's see, we're supposed to mark and avoid, we're supposed to expose and rebuke, and sometimes, if, if, if need be, harsh rebuke. That's what the Word of God says. And if people don't like that, then it shows they don't care about God. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Did me much evil. He greatly withstood our words. What, what are the words that he's referring to? Our words. Well, it's the teachings. The doctrines that they are bringing up. That this man, Alexander here, fought against the word of God. Fought against the doctrines of Christ. Mocked and hated and ridiculed. As you see in verse in verse 16. And now is he talking about how he's under house arrest by the Romans. And he's going to be led up before Caesar. And how he made uh, a couple uh, presentations at Caesar. He says, at my first answer, when he stood before Caesar, at my first answer, no man stood with me. But all men forsook me. Nobody went with him. Nobody else stood with him. He went all alone. All alone. All chained up. The soldiers at his side, chained, dragged up before his poor madman Nero. No one else came to his defense to help him. Everyone else was scared and ran away. Everyone else is scared and ran away. They abandoned Paul. Reminds me of uh, something interesting. 
Now, a lot of Christians aren't aware of this bit in uh, the Old Testament in uh, Kings about the story of Elijah. Now, at the time of Ahab and Jezebel, there were a whole bunch of prophets of God. And it was Obadiah who actually took the prophets of God, hid them in a cave away from Ahab and Je Jezebel so that they could be protected, and he would uh, sneak them food and water and stuff to care for them during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel because they were hunting down the prophets of God and killing them. And Obadiah took them and hid them in the cave. So there were tons of prophets. Where were they? at Mark, Mount Carmel. None of the other prophets stood with Elijah. None of the other prophets stood with Elijah. They abandoned him. They abandoned him. But what do we see? power of God is the power of God and is not re and not regulated by numbers. It doesn't matter if it's one person or a thousand. The power of God is the power of God. One man standing with the Lord is in the majority. One person standing with the Lord is in the majority. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. If you stand in the Lord and the power of his might and the word of God and the faith of God, all heaven is with you. All the power of God is with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And it doesn't matter if you're alone or with a thousand. It, numbers don't matter. Or two or three are gathered together. Am I in the midst of them? Even if one standing can call down the fire. One with the Lord can stand before Caesar and give him the gospel of Jesus Christ. The power of one. All the Lord needs is one microphone, one speaker, one servant, one disciple to stand there and say, Thus saith the Lord, and the Lord will work. No man stood with me. All men forsook me. All forsook me. I pray, God, that it, that it may not be laid to their charge. What do we see with that? No root of bitterness. No root of bitterness. Do not allow bitterness. It'd be very easy in that state to get mad and offended. That all of your friends, all the other... Where were the other apostles? Not even Peter? Nobody? No the Barnabas? Nobody? No other disciples stood with Paul? It would be easy to get all upset. That they uh, all through the ministry were your friends and helping you and sending you support and everything else. But the moment that things came down to the wire, they all abandoned. It would be very easy. You would almost be humanly. Uh, you would have you would have license to be mad. Humanly speaking, you would have you would have justification to be mad, to be offended and upset and be bitter don't rather pray for them pray for them pray for them bless them i pray god that it may not be laid to their charge when people abandon you and forsake you abuse you or persecute you or oppose you or whatever else pray for them speak evil of no man 
love your enemy, pray for them, bless them, look to Christ. Do not allow a root of bitterness. Do not allow a root of bitterness. As he says in verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Just as Jesus standing before Herod, just as Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate, he knows how to stand before these ones. Almighty God stands with us. He stands with us. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I am with you always. You're held in my hand. My spirit indwells you. That what they do to you, they're doing to me, Jesus says. Whatever they do to you, they're doing to me. What they say to you, they're saying to me. What they throw at you, they're throwing at me. How they curse you, they're cursing me. Don't take it personal. They, the only reason they're hating on you is because they hate me. The only reason that they're opposing you is because of me, Jesus says. The Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That by me the preaching might be fully known. And that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Look at this. Because as well, because of the faithfulness of Paul. Standing in all Christ-likeness before Caesar. And I need you to listen. I need you to listen. Okay? Paul standing there. In the throne room. In the, ju in the judgment hall of Caesar Nero. Nero the madman himself. And Paul stood there and preached the gospel. Guess what happened? As I read elsewhere in the scriptures, all those about all the Christians in Caesar's court, that a number of the servants of Caesar got saved, became born again Christians because of the faithfulness of the saints, because they kept the faith regardless what was going on who it was or what was going they they were they were dedicated to the faith they kept the faith they fought the good fight they kept the faith they equipped themselves they were strong in the lord and the power of his might and they're faithful to the lord that even servants and people in the court of nero got saved you see that circumstances do not dictate the effectiveness of the gospel though they throw you in the burning fiery furnace the lord can preserve you and by your witness in the heat of persecution you're a witness to all the onlookers and people get saved you don't know who's watching who's listening who's observing you don't know what's going on be faithful Faithful to him which has called you. Faithful to the Lord. No root of bitterness. Forgive them. Pray for them. Be faithful to the Lord. The Lord stands with you. Strengthen you. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. Equip yourself. Be strong. Hold to the word of God. Nothing else. Make no excuse. Make no apology. Preach the Lord. Preach the gospel. Stand for the Lord. Watch God work. And the Lord, as the Lord worked with Elijah Mount Carmel, as the Lord worked for Noah and Moses and Abraham and David and all down through, as he worked for Mary and Martha, Hannah, Anna, Esther, Ruth, and all the rest, as the Lord worked for them, he so works with us, for us, by us, through us, for his honor and glory. Do not muddy the waters 
with your own personal ideologies and wants and likes. Do not mince the words. Do not water it down. Do, uh, do not make apologies for God. Say, this is what it is. Thus saith the Lord. Stand firm, rooted in the faith, grounded in the faith. Be still and know that he is God and watch God work. Watch God work. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me that, that by me the preaching might be fully known. Because this is news. This is the court of Caesar. All the other eyes and everyone else watching what's going on. Apostle Paul is now in the news. Be the Apostle Paul is standing before Caesar today. People be listening in. And what would they hear? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel became fully known. That all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Out of the mouth of the lion, you mean the, the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? Satan wanted to shut down the preaching of the gospel. But in his attempt to bring it up before Nero, thinking that this is going to be the end of Paul, in fact, God turned that around, that the workings of the devil to persecute Paul became one of the greatest announcements of the gospel. <laughs> I love it. I love it how, how God just, the way he works... The devil must have been furious. The devil must have been absolutely furious. He tried to kill Jesus, but in so doing, God just turned that into a victory. He couldn't kill him with the whipping and the torture. He couldn't kill him at the cross. As Jesus says, I lay down my life. He tried to keep him in the tomb. It didn't work. He tried to shut down the early church, beginning with the Pharisees and with Saul of Tarsus. The enemy was using Saul of Tarsus as their number one opponent against the church. God just saved him. Turned him into the Apostle Paul. <laughs> they tried to kill them. God just bring him back to life. Again and again and again, the Lord makes a triumph. The Lord makes a triumph. Your circumstances are not the true reality. The reality is God. God is able. The Lord is able. Jesus Christ is able. It doesn't matter who they are, what they are, where you are, what's going on, what your circumstances are. Hold to the word of God. Be faithful to the word of God. Be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Be faithful to the gospel of salvation by Jesus Christ and watch God work. Be willing to go. Be willing to put yourself through. Be willing to stand before the Nero's. Be willing to go to the prisons. Because who knows? Maybe the people in there need to hear it. They need to hear the gospel. Someone's got to go to them. Someone's got to go to the paupers. Someone's got to go to the prisons. Someone's got to go to the wildernesses. Someone's got to go to the islands. Someone's got to do it. Be willing to go, do, be, have. Whatever it is the Lord would have you do. Be willing to serve the Lord in fear and trembling. Say, yes, Lord, I will do it. And watch God work. He'll make a way. They will, I don't know, how, how is this supposed to work? I don't know what to say. I will give you the words with which to say. I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. I will strengthen you. I will teach you. I will provide. I will protect. I will do it. I will guide. Worry not, doubt not, fear not, care not, fret not, be anxious for nothing. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. That, that's oppositions that would cause you to fall away. The workings of evil to oppose the gospel. The gospel cannot be opposed. The Lord delivered the message from the workings of evil 
to try to hinder it and silence it. And God fought against that and, caused, and overcame it with an overthrow. And he, he pronounced the gospel right from the court of Caesar. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. The gospel cannot be opposed. The word of God cannot be destroyed. God cannot be dethroned. The church cannot be defeated. The saint cannot lose. I have read the back of the book. We win. We win. The Lord wins. His church wins. The saints win. The gospel wins. Remember that. The Lord delivers us from every evil work. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. It doesn't matter who they are, what they are, where they are, how big they are, how powerful they are, how mighty they are, what they have at their disposal, how many books they wrote, how many degrees and diplomas, and how many suits and people and money. It doesn't matter who or what they are. John the Baptist, the poorest of us all, with absolutely nothing to his name, stood there at the River Jordan and preached the gospel in the face of them all. And the Lord says he was the greatest of all the prophets. And he had the least of everything. The Lord is able. The Lord is able. Give yourself to the Lord as a disciple of Christ as a prophet of the word of God, stand there in the spirit of a prophet saying, Thus saith the Lord, and do not mince the words and make no apology. And say, you must be born again and show them what the word of God says, and the Lord will bless his spirit to be upon you. And he'll lift up your voice like a trumpet to declare to the people the air of their ways. It doesn't matter who or what they are. They need to hear it. They need to be told. And the Lord will bless the words and fear not him which can kill the body. Fear the Lord. Fear nothing that is thrown against you. Though they arrest you and throw you in the deepest part of the dungeon, put you in the stocks, sing up the praises of God like, like Paul did. Like Paul and Silas praising the Lord in the dungeon, shaking the walls with their praise. Do not give in to the fear and the torment of the flesh. Do not give in to the anger and the depression of the flesh. Do not give in to, to, the, to the workings of, of the enemy. That the workings of evil, but the roarings of the lions, do not give in to that. Allow no root of bitterness, but praise the Lord, praise the Lord, for the Lord must be praised. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. Nothing can remove me from the love of God. There isn't anything anyone could say about me, by me, against me, that could separate me from the love of God. There's no sin, there's no temptation, there's no evil, there's no devil, there's no power of hell that could separate me from the love of God. There's nobody and nothing that can separate me from the love of God. God preserves me. It's not the perseverance of the saints. It's the perseverance of the Holy Ghost. It's the perseverance of the Spirit of Christ. It's the perseverance of Jesus Christ. He perseveres in holding me. He holds me. Not my hold on him. His hold on me. He preserves me unto his heavenly kingdom. 
to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's not my glory. It's his glory. It's not, it's not my moment, moment of glory, moment of, of praise and power. It's all his. The only reason I'm here is because of his honor, because of his grace, because of his glory. He made me who I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. The only reason I'm here speaking and doing this is because of his grace. He is God. I am nothing. I am but a talking stone. But he scraped me together and he breathed into me the breath, breath of life. He made me what I am. He set me here all praise to him. We praise not men. We praise Christ. We praise Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. To him be glory forever and ever. For he is the forever and ever. He is the great I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He is the almighty God, the one whose ways are of old, even of everlasting, the mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful, the counselor. He's the creator, the maker, the redeemer. He's the justifier, the sanctifier. He's the saver. He, he is the almighty God. His name is Jesus Christ, the name above all names, at whose name every knee will bow and every tongue shall swear. He is God and there is none else. And he must be glorified. He will be glorified. And the Lord says, who will go for us? And we say, I will, Lord. He says, no, go and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And we stand up and we tell them. And we do not apologize. And we are not ashamed. He is glorified. He is honored. Salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Do thy due diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. To bless and pray for the brethren. To remember each other in your prayers. To pray for each other. To help each other, encourage each other, to lift up each other in the Lord, for this is right. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Amen. That's the end of Second Timothy. So I hope it's been a help and a comfort and encouragement to you. I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon. So you know when we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons of other goodies and content and Bible study walkthroughs. I hope you check those out. And as well, please check out yesterday's video we did on prayer and fasting. Um, it's a nigh three hour series, but there's a lot of information in there that, uh, be really good for you. Please make sure to, you go through that. And uh, yeah, as well as uh, make sure to check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. christiancoffeetime.ca. We have links to all other platforms and uh, media accounts. We have free downloadable gospel track PDFs and e-tracks. The e-tracks, uh, you can you know, click on the link of the e-tracks and it downloads a file to your, your computer that you can then add it to your emails and it's an email track and you just send it to everybody in your address book. <laughs>
is go looking for other people's emails and just send the, send the gospel tract to them via an email. And uh, you can witness to everybody that way. So there, there's another means for you. Please make sure you avail yourself to our free gospel tracts. And there's a contact us link on our website as well, christiancoffeetime.ca. If you have any comments, questions, anything, or looking for something, let us know. We'd be happy to help you. So with that, we'll wrap it up there. Hope this study has been a help and a blessing and encouragement to you. God bless all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.